0: Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, I'm going to share something else about myself that you may not know. In fact, not many people know this about me. When I was um, preparing this message on Wednesday, my husband, actually, I emailed it to him so he could print it out because I was having technological problems. And uh, he read it and he came in and he was really teary. He said, I didn't know that about you. And um, you'll understand why in a minute when I tell you what it is. So when I was young, um, when I was a little girl... I was knock kneed and pigeon toed, so my feet turned in like that. And just have a look—you can. I've worn a dress today, specially. Have a look at this precious leg. Now I, I can um, see how my knee kind of has fellowship with the other one. <laughs> my foot can be to- totally straight, and my knees. Like, my feet are completely straight, and look at my knee. So I was born with a turned-in leg. Now, um, I'm not sure whether my parents ever noticed or really, you know, I, I'm really not sure. The doctors have said to me now, you probably should have worn a cast for a couple of years when you were a baby, Jane. <laughs> so, but however, um, for whatever reason, my parents thought I was completely normal when I walked like this. <laughs> And you know something, I was quite okay with walking like that, except for the fact that I had massive, and I'm talking massive bruises on the inside of both my knees. And occasionally my ankles would knock together. I don't know, that's really hard to do, to knock your ankles together, but... I had bruises on the inside of my knees and the ankles, so much so that I had to sleep with a pillow in between my legs if I slept on my side because they hurt, because they were permanently bruised. I used to ride a bike um, because my mum never learnt to drive, ever. She's in heaven now and I'm hoping someone's giving her driving lessons. But she never learned to drive, and so all of you young girls whose mum drives you everywhere before you were 16, be entirely and eternally grateful, because if I wanted to go somewhere, I had to get on my bike, and I had to ride to friends' parties, balancing a present on my bike, until my dad got me a lovely basket on the front of my bike. I loved that basket. Anyway... I rode everywhere, and so it was, you've got to understand, it was the 70s, so I would come home, and I'd be riding for miles on my bike, and my knees would smash together, my ankle would scrape on the pedal, and my jeans were usually chewed up in the chain somewhere on the journey, because it was the 70s, and they were flares, and uh, I was, would end up, arrive places bruised and bloodied and torn up. And arrived there quite happily. Now, I didn't really care about... People used to call me knock-kneed and pigeon-toed and all that. And even my family did cruelly do that to me. But I didn't really care because that's the kind of kid I was until I was about 13 or 14. And I started to realise that not everybody walks like this. And, you know, I would literally at times trip over this foot and it was extremely clumsy. So when I got to about 13 or 14 and noticed that the other girls didn't necessarily have bruises and walked, started to walk quite elegantly, I started to not like the way I walked. And I had an epiphany one day, walking along the beach. Somebody else was walking ahead of me, I don't know who it was, a fair distance, and there was nobody else on this beach. So the footprints were really obvious in the sand, and I looked at these footprints and noticed that their footprints were walking out like that. And I was like, wow. I looked back at my footprints on the sand, and mine were walking in like that, one of them more than the other one. That literally, that's how I used to walk. And I was like, wow. So I started, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to see if I can put my feet in those footprints that are walking outwards. So I started doing this because it was really uncomfortable and unusual for me. So I'm walking along the beach doing this in someone else's footprints and thought to myself, you know what, I reckon I can do that. And I started from that day on, I started to notice how everybody else walked. I was watching people's feet all the time, and I thought, I'm really the only one I know that walks like this. (laughs) Maybe that's not normal, because it had been normal for me all my life. And so I used to walk six kilometers to school, three kilometers or 3.3 kilometers there and 3.3 kilometers back every single day, and I decided that I would change the way I walked. I was going to practice walking outward on the way to school, all the way to school and all the way back. Now, at school, I didn't really care because I was too busy running around doing all sorts of other things. So I just did it on the way to school, on the way home from school and graduate The funniest thing was, though, that when I first started walking, and I even do it a little bit now, putting my feet out like that, I have to turn my hands out to make my feet walk work. <laughs> It's like, like, Kathy, good to see you. Um, Anyway, sorry, just saw my friend. Um, So I'm doing this. So you can imagine this girl with a backpack on walking like this. But I didn't really care because I was training myself to walk differently. Now, you may not have been born knock-kneed or pigeon-toed or whatever, but the Bible says that every single one of us who've connected our lives with Jesus Christ used to walk differently to how we walk today. And I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, and it says this, and you... He made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and the fashion of this world, were under the sway and the tendency of this present age. Among these, we, as well as you, once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, Our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of our flesh and the thoughts of our mind. It, the Bible says that we used to walk in a certain way one time, but now we're not to walk that way anymore. You see, We actually need to be actively trained to walk differently. Because you and I, left to our own devices, walk crooked. It's natural for us. We don't even realize we're doing it. It just happens. You don't know what's natural until you suddenly start to look at other people and see how they walk and you go... Oh, oh, maybe I'm not walking straight. I talked to you last night about where to walk on the path. And this morning, I'm going to talk to you about how you walk. Because it's not just where you walk that matters. It's how you walk that matters. So we're going to talk about how we walk. Because you and I left to ourselves, the Bible says we're born in sin. So that means simply that you and I have a magnetic attraction towards doing the wrong thing. Or maybe it's just me. I know you're very holy, pure ladies here at Victory, and I understand that. But just forgive me because I'm preaching to myself here this morning that, um, you know, my natural tendency is to walk with a pull towards the wrong thing. For instance, when my husband leaves his clothes lying all around the house when I get home last night after I've been, you know, preaching for God and doing his work and I come home and there's stuff lying all over the house, my natural tendency is to just want to gripe and complain. And you will be pleased to know I didn't. Inside I did. I'm not sure whether that counts. (laughs) Yeah, I've probably just disqualified myself. But anyway, when we're left to ourselves without any intervention, our flesh and our mind control how we walk. Does that make sense? We've got this magnetic pull towards doing the wrong thing and we have a body that says, comfort me. Give me everything I need to be happy and you'll be happy. We have a mind that says, give me my own way at any cost. Me first and others second. That is the natural way our body and our mind work. They want to control what we do because they want what they want. Does that make sense? So the flesh part of us is the part that wants to stay in bed rather than get up. It's the part of us that wants to lash out when we get hurt. It's the part of us that wants to justify ourselves and speak badly about the person who's hurt us. Our flesh is the part of us that wants to feel good all the time and at any cost. The part of us that's self-focused, that's comfort orientated and wants to get its own way. That's the part of us that will try and control the way we walk, our mind and our flesh. But you and I, that, I mean, you know, that, there wouldn't be much of a problem if we were only flesh and mind, you know, body and soul. If, if we were just those two things, there wouldn't be a fight. But that's what animals are. And we are not animals. I know it's hard Believing that sometimes when you look at the lady next to you. But she, she isn't. She does have a spirit as well. As do you. And you see, there's a problem with that. Because we aren't animals, mostly, most of the time. Except when the lunch line comes. And when there's a bargain table and a red light special. Then you see the animals when the shoes, yes. Um, then you see the animal in us. But we are actually not just body and soul. We have a spirit. And here comes the problem because the spirit side of us is the God conscious side of us. The spirit side of us knows there's a better way to walk and keeps nagging us until we do. The spirit side of us is the side that wants to please God. The spirit side of us is the side of us that wants to do the right thing. The spirit side of us is the side of us that is magnetized towards God the spirit side of us knows theres be- we 're capable of better and pushes us towards doing better. Now, you don't have to be a genius to understand that when you have a body and a mind over here saying, no, you deserve better. No, just stay comfortable. No, no, you deserve, look what they've done to you, you poor thing. And then you have a spirit side of you saying, no, come on, you can rise above this. There's going to be a bit of a fight. And there always is. There's a battle between wanting to walk this way and wanting to walk that way. Because all of us want to do what's right because we've got a spirit part of us. But the magnetism inside of us towards wanting to do what's wrong is strong. And God this morning wants to teach us how to walk. Because you see, we've been hit by bikes. Anybody been hit by a bike? In their life If you haven't It's coming (laughs) And it's not going to ring its bell You see we've been hit by bikes And when we've been hit by a bike When something's happened to us Our natural instinct is to change how we walk Not just to change where we walk But we change how we walk and God wants us this morning to just get an adjustment in our walk because how we walk is so important to the end destination of our life, which is happiness, which is fulfilling the destiny that God and the plan that God has for our lives. How we walk determines the the kind of journey we have. Does that make sense? You can be on a path, but if you're walking crooked, if you're walking with a limp, you're not going to have the joy that you could have skipping along that path and just enjoying that walk. So we have a spirit and our spirit fights with our body and our flesh and our soul and our mind and there's a battle going on between wanting to do the right thing and wanting to do the wrong thing. Because if we're really honest, there is a bit of us that wants to do the wrong thing. It's only me again and Kath. Okay, I want to read 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. It says, furthermore, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, furthermore, brethren, love that, we brethren, or sisters, it should be, furthermore, sisters, we beg and admonish you in virtue of our union with the Lord Jesus, that you follow the instructions which you learn from us about how you ought to walk so as to please and gratify God. As indeed you are doing, so you can breathe. Did you hear what the Bible said? As indeed you are doing. This is not a telling off. This is an encouragement. Come on. This is the Bible saying, you know what? I can see you. Every so often you're, you're walking, you're doing the right thing. But I want to encourage you to do it more and more and more. So it becomes a habit because it's like me. As I started to move my feet outwards and train my body to walk differently, there's an encouragement. You have started to move your feet into the right alignment. But the encouragement from God this morning to you ladies is, come on, Stay like that. You can do it. Come on, make that a habit in your life. Make it something that comes naturally. I don't turn my foot in anymore because I don't even have to think about how I walk. Why? Because I did it for the first few weeks and it was hard. The next few weeks it was hard still. My bones ached. My hip joints ached. My knees ached. It was difficult for me to stay in that alignment. But the more I did it, the easier it got. And some of you are in that place where you think, you know what? This is hard. I'm aching. Inside, I'm aching. I just, I just, just think I'm going to give up. I don't know how to do it. And this morning, God's word to you is, no, come on. You're doing it, but do it even more so that it becomes a habit in your life. You see, it says, follow the instructions which you learn from us about how to walk so as to please and gratify God. This is Paul talking to a church that he had to actively teach how to walk. These people are no different to you and I. They were they were rescued from <clears throat> excuse me walking wrongly. Excuse me. That was a slurp. I'm so glad I didn't have that mic on. These people have been rescued from walking wrongly in the wrong way. And Paul is saying... I want to encourage you because we've had to teach you how to walk differently but to keep on going in the way you've been taught. You see, you and I actively need to learn and relearn how to walk straight because our natural tendency is to turn our leg in. Our natural tendency is to be self-focused. Our natural tendency is to go with what is comfortable. Our natural tendency is to justify ourselves. Our natural tendency is to walk away from the person that hurt us and not resolve it. Our natural tendency is towards unforgiveness. Our natural tendency is towards bitterness. And God says, "No, come on. I've taught you how to walk and I want to remind you again to stay strong in that alignment because when you do, you will walk with ease." You see, there are dangers when we allow our flesh and our mind to control how we walk. And in both the passages I've just read to you that talks about exhorting people how to walk. You, you need to learn how to walk and walk as to please and gratify God. Because the opposite is walking to please and gratify your body or your flesh or your mind and will. And when you do that, this is the result. Now, everyone just take a breath. And just say to the lady next to you, she's talking about you, not me. (laughs) you need to know that. Because I'm going to read something right now. This is the danger... I just want to teach you this morning. Is that all right? I just got something in my heart that I've got to get from here to here. And I just want to teach you out of the word of God. Ephesians 5, 3 to 8 in the Amplified says this. This is straight after what we've read about walking. At one time you walked this way. But now you walk according to what God wants. This is straight after that. It says, but... Immorality, sexual advice, uh, no, (laughs) sexual advice is good as well, but but immorality, sexual vice, and all impurity of lustful, rich, wasteful living. My husband said, why are you reading that in the Amplified? It sounds way worse, but we can all relate, can't we? Okay, of lustful, rich, wasteful living, or greediness must not even be named among you, as is fitting and proper among saints, God's consecrated people. Let there be no filthiness, obscenity, indecency, nor foolish and sinful, silly and corrupt talk, nor rude joking, oh, which are not... Is everyone still breathing? Okay, which are not fitting or becoming... But instead, voice your thankfulness to God. For be sure of this, that no person practicing sexual vice or impurity in thought or life, or one who's covetous, who has lustful desire for the property of others and is greedy for gain, for he in effect is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. Let no one delude you and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. For through these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. So do not associate or be sharers with them. For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Lead the lives native of those born to the light. Now I'm just reading Bible. And sometimes, you know, I struggled with bringing this teaching to this conference because it's not a popular thing. I want to stand up here and say, girls, you can do it. You're made for greatness. You are awesome. You are fantastic. And that you all are. But I really believe that God wants us to talk about how we're walking. Because in this these last days there are not many people talking about these things and I'm just stupid enough to listen to what God says and come and teach you this morning. I just really want to say to you this. And it's simple. You know, when I read that, Catherine, I was like, I don't want to read this, it's not nice. I want to do the nice things. Give me the nice things to say, God. The happy things. But God said to me, Jane, Jane, you don't understand. People read that and see it a list of things that you shouldn't do, do, do's and don'ts, and this big legalistic thing. God said to me, you read that again, read it again, read it again, read it again. I read it over and over again. He said to me this. He said that whole list of things that I have written in my word are simply these. They are replacements for the real thing that keeps people walking straight. You see, when we forsake walking straight, and we allow our mind and our flesh to control us, that's where we go. It's as simple as that. We simply go that way automatically. Because think about this, when a child falls down and hurts itself, what is the very first thing that child will do? I have three boys, All of them immediately, even now as adults, when something goes wrong. You know what? My kids come in sometimes 11, 12 o'clock at night and sometimes way later than that. But anyway, just to encourage those of you who are thinking, oh, her boys come in at night at 10 and 11. No. Anyway, when they come in, they run up the stairs. And I know when something has gone wrong because you hear this pound, thud, 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 thud. Often coming up the stairs two at a time The bedroom door bursts open They don't give a rip how long I've been asleep They don't care what I'm wearing in bed They don't care about anything else All they care about is coming and going "Ah, Still at 23 and 21 They just pour it all out Mummy, I've been hurt That is what the interpretation of it is (laughs) Because all kids, when you see when a little child falls down and cries, they look to mum. They look to dad. They look somewhere for comfort. And you know, we are no different. You and I are no different. When we get hit by a bike, we look for comfort. We might not have mum. We might not have anybody else that can see this. But we go to those things for comfort. Because there's something comforting in sexual um, stuff. <laughs> stuff, thank you. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> this, if we're honest, it feels good. Am I allowed to say this? <laughs> or am I the only one? <laughs> no so good. Sam's is so good. Whew, thank God for you, Sam. Does this make sense or am I? I'm just being real here. That stuff feels good for a little while till we wake up the next morning and go, oh, when we're talking bad about someone, it kind of obscenely feels good for a little while until we walk away and feel dirty. When we're In the shops, it talks about covetousness in here, and the only way I can, I mean, if I'm going to relate that to my own life, it's me walking through the shops and buying stuff I really have got no money to afford to buy, but I'm buying it because I want it, and I need it. And it talks about greed and lust of the eyes and all those kind of things. That is just simply me going after what I need and want. Going after comfort in the wrong way. That's all those things are. It's our mind and our flesh leading us towards alternatives to the comfort that we actually really need. And none of those things actually provide the comfort we need for the long term. Instantly, they they provide it. In the short term, they provide it. But in the long term, we're left more and more and more destitute and seeking more and more and more comfort. Does that make sense? That lifestyle is addictive. It is actually causing us to be pulled away from our spirit side that says, God says, you know what you really need when a bike hits you? You need my comfort. You need to run to me. But sadly, so often, the thing that is riding a bike is a person. And when people hit us with bikes... We run away from God, not towards him, because we are made in God's image. Does that make sense? And so when a human hits us, the image of God hits us. We run away from God. Towards these false things that do not comfort us. And God says, we need to... <clears throat> um, run to him for that comfort okay so it says do not walk as for you once in darkness but now you light in the Lord walk as children of the light how do children of the light walk what is the secret to staying away from the things that Paul has described what is the secret to moving away from the things that we run to for comfort instead of God the antidote to letting your flesh control your walk, it says it here. In the verses before this verse, in verse 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5, the passage, the whole passage I've been reading out of, it starts off with this. You see, God just doesn't, he gives us the answer. He doesn't just tell us what not to do. He tells us what to do first. And this is what it starts off with. Ephesians 5 1 to 2 it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live, and that word live is peripateo, which means walk, a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So how do we change how we walk? The first thing it tells us in those verses is to imitate God in everything. I'm just looking at the clock. That's 0.34. I'm guessing that's 10.34. (laughs) Just got confused. It's easy to confuse me. 10.34 and I've got to finish at quarter two. Yes, good. We're on track. Just checking. She has told me that three times. Just having a moment. I can't remember all this and remember the time as well. You've got to understand it's too many things. Okay, we need to imitate God in everything we do. To imitate someone, you need to act like them and talk like them. To imitate someone, you need to hang around them. You see, I only noticed how badly I was walking when I saw someone else walking different. You see, sometimes we don't know what we're doing wrong until we see what's right. Because we think we know we for us that's normal. You know, children are great imitators. It says, imitate God. One of my my oldest son, when he was just a little baby, I put him in the high chair and gave him a boiled egg. He would have been about 18 months, two years old. Now, I've got to tell you this, because you're going to think it's a fake story. He talked at one fluently, so he was totally up there with this story. I gave him a boiled egg, cut the top of his boiled egg, gave him a spoon, because yes, he was also using a knife and fork very early, because he's weird. But (laughs) anyway, I put him... In the dining area with a boiled egg and a spoon and he was eating his boiled egg and I went to fix my lunch in the kitchen. And I hear this little voice, mummy, does daddy like boiled eggs? I'm like, yes, darling, daddy loves boiled eggs because whatever daddy loved, Mark loved. And he called himself Marky and he said, Marky likes boiled eggs. (laughs) And I said, good, excellent. A few seconds passed. Mummy, does Daddy like boiled eggs? <laughs> yes, darling. Daddy loves boiled eggs. Ma- Marky likes boiled eggs too. <laughs> okay, I'm thinking nothing of this. I'm fixing my lunch. A Few seconds pass. Mummy, does Daddy like boiled eggs? See, so yes, darling. Mummy, da- Daddy loves boiled eggs. Marky like like boiled eggs too. <laughs> His voice is getting more and more distressed, so I go round the corner, and here I see this poor child eating the (laughs) eggshell, and the egg, and he's conjuring this thing, and he's going, but you know why he was doing it? Because he thought his father liked boiled eggs. And if his father liked boiled eggs, he was going to have boiled eggs. Because children imitate their fathers. And God is not going to feed you eggshells. You can trust Him if you imitate Him. God wants us to imitate Him in everything we do. So that when we get hit by a bike, our first reaction is not to go to these other things for comfort, but we go to God for comfort. And He becomes our hero that we imitate because He is our Father. Like it says, And you are His dear children. And as children, God wants us to imitate him in everything we do. To imitate someone, you need to be around them a lot. You can't imitate someone you hardly know. I imitate people when I am around them day and night. I'm listening to them. I hear them talk. I understand the why behind the what. God wants us to be around him, to imitate him. To imitate God, we need to be reading his word daily. Do you know less than 25% of Christians read their Bible once a week? Less than a quarter of Christians read their Bible once a week. I'm not talking about daily. I'm talking about once a week. And then those same people, I hear them say, Pastor Jane, it's too hard. I can't walk this life. My leg just won't go out that way. I've tried. It's just impossible. And I'm like, well, no wonder You can't do that without imitating God. And you can't imitate God without getting his word into your life. The Bible says the entrance of God's word brings life and light. The entrance of God's word, not God's word on your bookshelf. Not the entrance of God's word into your home or onto your bookshelf, the entrance of God's word into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit. God's word is life and light and changes you. You don't have to do it in your own power and strength. You see, some people think this is just a a bunch of rules that you've got to live by. No, 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 no. It's totally wrong. You see, the Bible says that we are to absorb and eat God's word, which is power and light to us. And through God's the connection of our lives with God's spirit, he gives our spirit life in order to walk the way we need to walk. We're not doing it in our strength. In fact, none of us, nobody in this entire room could ever do what God has required of us by ourselves. You see he's sneaky, he knows that. He knew that all along. You cannot do what the Bible says to do by yourself. Why would he make that possible and leave himself out of the equation when the whole purpose of relationship is so that he can love us? So He made us to need Him so much that it would be impossible to do it without Him so that when we would go that way, we would realize we're messing up, we can't do it and we'd run back to Him for comfort and love that we need. Does that make sense? I hope some of this is getting through. To imitate God, we need to hang around other people who are imitating Him Two, I am very fussy about who my children hang around. Very fussy. My eight-year-old, I will say yes, no to different things. And people. other people think I'm really awful. I'm actually not because he imitates their behavior. And I am very careful about who I allow him to imitate. Because I know it will affect his behavior. And yet we are not as smart ourselves. Because we hang around people who are walking wrong. And before long we are walking wrong with them. We need to walk with people who are imitating God. The second thing is be filled with God's love really quickly. It says in Ephesians 5 to live or walk. A life filled with love following the example of Christ. Live a life filled with God's love. Did you hear that? God's love. You see, the problem with most of us is when we're hurt, we've had that need for love rejected or somehow damaged in our lives. And we go to something else to find comfort and love like we've, the Bible has described. But he's saying, no, don't do that. That's, that's the wrong way to walk. You need to go towards God and be filled with God's love. So many of us fill ourselves and that need to be loved inside of us with alternatives. We try our best to fill that need with other kinds of love. You, you know them all, girls. Girls. They're wrong, and God says, "I want you to be filled with my love." We're all seeking comfort. God's love is not a self-focused love; it's a sacrificial, giving love. You see, God says, "You know, other people will know that you're my disciples by the love you have for one another." You can't have love for one another when you're going off this way and fulfilling the the soul and your minds. Desire for comfort without God's love Because you can't love someone else The way you're meant to love someone else When you're loving yourself so much Is that tough? Because over here This is just an effort to get to love on me And God says no let me love on you So you can love on others That's how it was meant to be so the first one is imitate God in everything you do. The second one is be filled with God's love, not other substitutes. And the third one is be filled with God's love. Now you say, you've just said that one. You've made a mistake. No, I haven't. I said be filled with God's love. And the third one is be filled with God's love. You see, so many of us come with a little for a little cup full of God's love. And we take it away. And then the, the demands of life demand so much of us. And we're like, and before long, and I won't do it because I don't want people to have to clean up a mess. But before long, this is all poured out. And we've got nothing left to give people. And then we get hurt again. And then we get into that situation. Does this make sense? God's desire is that we're filled. Do you know what to be filled means? Firstly, it means whatever was inside before needs to be emptied out. Because you can't be filled with something when it's already got something in it. So you have to empty yourself out of the hurt, the pain, the self-focus, the desire to go your way. You have to empty yourself out and say, God, okay, I am here empty. Now fill me. And to be filled means you are filled to capacity so there's no room for anything else. Do you know what I think the problem with most Christians today is they get a little bit of God's love and they add it to everything else and think that is going to help them walk correctly. It's not going to cut it. We've got to be filled with God's love. Every day as I'm walking on that path next to my house and praying, I say to God, God, fill me with love today. Every single day I need to be filled with love because when I'm interacting with people, I'm giving out, giving away. It's a rare person who will leave you fuller than when you met them. And and, and we're all saying, yeah, and, and that's no criticism of other people. It is a rare person where you leave their presence feeling fuller. Mostly you leave people's presence emptier because that's how God created us to be so we could give away. But you're trying to do and live in that environment without being filled with God's love. And you'll wonder why you're so weary, you're spent, you've got nothing left to give, you're exhausted, you're physically run down. All of these things is because literally we are not filled with God's love. And so I'm going to finish it there. I'm going to keep on going in the next session. But I just want to talk to you in this next session about what it really means to love other people and be filled with his love. I just really believe God wants to, I know I can see in my spirit, in my mind's eye, what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to realign our walking. He wants to Give us an adjustment. He wants to give us a check about the way we walk, where we walk, and how we walk, and the purpose that that we need to walk with. Is that cool? All right, thank you, ladies, and we'll continue on. Next session. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.